Hey guys, and welcome back to Four Mules and uh, One Jackass podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Christopher, today, and with me I have... Ryan, as always, and it's a pleasure to have you back. Yeah, we are now just after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. We've been a bit late with this episode, but yeah, we've been talking a lot about what happened at the race anyway. And yeah, it was such a good race and there's so much to talk about. So yeah, can't wait to start talking about it. Yeah, I mean, so much has happened that we had to perhaps take a couple of days to digest (laughs) it all, take it all in. Uh, Like it's so many different parts that we'll attempt to address, but I'm pretty sure that we're going to miss out on a couple of things. But there's always a future episode to uh, to revisit all the all the things. Exactly. So where to start? And I think we cannot, you know, uh, we have to start with the obvious mm-hmm. simply because it was that massive. Mm-hmm. So I would just say that the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, mm-hmm. it could have been 14 up. It could have been 21 down. It is status quo. So, to provide context, had Max Verstappen won the race, he would have been 14 points up. Mm-hmm. Had Lewis Hamilton won the race, he would have been, uh, Max Verstappen would have been 21 points down. Yeah. As it is, it is status quo. Mm-hmm. Max Verstappen is still leading championship by four points because of uh, both of them not finishing in the points. Yeah. So, 14, perhaps even 15 up mm-hmm. with fastest lap or 21 down. Yeah. And luckily... It neither uh, situation occurred, True. so we're still continuing this championship fight into the next race. Except for Red Bull, just edging out in the constructors' championship now because mm-hmm. of Perez's win. But uh, absolutely, yeah. like this is one of those races where you like this is why we watch F one. You know, like even if there's just one of these races in the season, it's like it's absolutely crazy. You you couldn't predict what was going to happen. Uh, well, we thought we could, but then everything just changed. You know. Um, well, I mean, I, I think we played it, played it pretty safe last podcast. You said mm-hmm. it's either going to be really boring or really hectic, and yeah. we had the latter. Yeah, and I was completely wrong on almost all my predictions as well, which I just <laughs> want to uh, uh, say so people don't come after me. But uh, yeah, no, uh, I was proven very, very wrong. So uh, that means it's an exciting race. Yeah, the crystal ball is truly broken now. I think uh, we've had a good run, but like uh, everything... In Formula One, uh, good things come to an end. Yep. Um, but yeah, what what a poster race for Formula One in general. Like the people whose first race, or rather, uh, for the people who watched their first race and this one was it, they were in for a very exciting treat. Oh yeah. Uh, I I, um, I hope that you know coming races will be as entertaining as this, but I don't think. Uh, my heart can handle this much excitement yeah, we can't throughout the whole season. <laughs> exactly, which is unlikely to happen. We can't be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to France next, and France hasn't been, you know, uh, I'm not going, uh, what I meant to say is not France, the Grand Prix, but the track at Paris-Ricard. So mm-hmm. the Grand Prix at Paris-Ricard hasn't been the most exciting of the bunches. So I'm not expecting the same sort of fireworks and amazement and goofy screams um for instances uh, that that occur at that race but i hope to be proven wrong mm-hmm. but for the people whose first race this was wow that was just formula one you cannot predict anything until the checkered flag is 
flown. What? <laughs> yeah. No. Is, yeah. Is probably. Yeah. Waved. 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 waved yeah. For sure. Waved. Yeah. <laughs> But no, but it's exactly like that because unlike many sports, you know, where you score points or whatever throughout a game, this is, you know, until the leader has crossed the fit, crossed the finish line, you don't know what the result is going to be. Everything can change. Anything can happen in F1, you know. But uh, yeah, where do you want to where do you want to start talking about like um, the weekend or is there anything specific? I know you had certain things you wanted to talk about um, regarding yeah, the incident. Well, let's give a rundown of, of the weekend. Yeah, let's. So we had free practice and much like in Monaco, Mercedes was struggling. Yeah, uh, surprisingly. Throughout free practice sessions. And then uh, you said last podcast that it's a completely different track than Monaco. Mm -hmm. It would suit the Mercedes car yeah. better than the, the only slow corners. You know, it, yeah. it is high speed. Yeah. Uh, doesn't really have those high speed corners that's true that uh but it is you know a massive long i think it's like 2.2 kilometers straight yeah so you would think that uh having a very good powertrain would would help you just sail past the, the car in front but we've seen the opposite we've actually seen uh the the red bull car being very competitive around uh around baku but also you know in the mix was the ferrari as well Surprising them that. getting pole as well yeah. with sort of the the same scenario as what happened in Monaco where they brought out the red flag <laughs> just a different Ferrari that crashed this time and and uh, managed to hold on to pole position so uh yeah the red flag is flying or waving again waving right flying flying is when you put it up in a pole yeah and waving is when you do it yourself Unless you're yeah, Serena there's Williams, waved double no yellow. That's what you say, right? But that's when you actually wave the flag. That's wave, a different meaning, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fly the flag. Anyways, anyway. red flag came out. Uh, Ferrari managed to bag pole position. Mm -hmm. uh, people again couldn't improve on their lap time. A crazy qualifying session with four yeah. red flags as yeah. well. I mean, I think Alonso said that uh, everyone should just take it a bit chill. Don't drive it a hundred percent. Do it at ninety-eight. You know. Because it, it ruins qualifying for everyone and it's it's not great to crash. Like it's it I do, I do feel like there was lately there's been a lot more push on the last sectors like it, uh, the last uh, laps like Leclerc did in Monaco as well. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe that's good advice for the drivers to take. But I actually want to to hmm. point at that particular interview that Alonso came. Yeah, in. I mean good Alonso interview. being back in Formula One this year, he has such a different vibe around him. He is so serene. He looks like he's actually enjoying himself, like enjoying being back in Formula One, being very um, open yeah. in interviews, you know, taking the time to tell the truth, how it is, you know, uh, including his shortcomings in terms of results uh, before this weekend. Spoiler alert. Um, but very also just and mature and very ex exactly. easygoing, but like. Nice, nice, like a nice dude. Like, you know, he, he takes a step back. He doesn't just go out and react. He, yeah, I don't know. So it's sort of like a, gives credit. the elder statesman yeah. has come back. Yeah. And especially with that interview where he said, well, perhaps, you know, um, especially because it's a street track, uh, don't push beyond either the car's capabilities mm -hmm. or your own abilities mm -hmm. just to get that lap time. Yeah. And mentioning you know the red flag and the the rules in indycar saying perhaps the the person the driver or drivers who caused the red flag sh 
essentially get away penalty free. They get to rebuild their car if they've totaled yeah. it and start in the you know the same position yeah, they don't without lose the position. Yeah. exactly without having any um, disadvantages. Repercussions. Yeah, repercussions. Good word. So he said that you know in IndyCar when a driver causes a red flag, there are two uh, fastest lap times get taken away. So it is an additional sort of penalty, which I like that. I think I think it can make sense in for, uh, Formula One. Like unless a driver had a mechanical failure and tried to move out of the way and caused a red flag, but if it's if it's driver error, you know, I mean that could be hard to prove. But yeah, I, I think that uh, there, there might be something about that because we had so many weird qualifying sessions the last couple of years. You know, like the ones in Monza where people bunch up, and for Baku as well, they were told they couldn't bunch up. Uh, until like a certain part of the track you know um, so they did it one corner before that yeah but it's like <laughs> but you could you could spread it out a little bit more like there could be more structure in how qualifying is done um yeah it, it just seems a bit messy and dangerous to be honest ferrari managed or rather charles leclerc managing to uh get away with the pole hamilton uh pulling out a performance Amazing. that uh that we didn't expect yeah so just the car i suppose the level of the the Merc this weekend was where Bottas was at. Yes, so, yeah. I mean they they did try different configurations yeah. in terms of rear wing and such, but that was the fact that they went a different way was sort of a hell mary, you yeah. know, just shot in the dark. Let's just try it because it can't get worse than this. And of course, with this talent and natural ability as well, he managed to just eke out. Just that bit more performance that he managed to qualify at a position where the car shouldn't have been, but he got that result. So great qualifying performance on him, great starting position for him. And uh, yeah, the others, Max Verstappen in particular, um, not being able to improve on the lap simply because the, the red flag came out. Yeah. He was, I think, purple already but in I, sector one and two. Yeah, but I don't think they would have beaten Leclerc's time because Leclerc was kind of lucky with the toe but like it was really thought out that's like it was all about getting a good toe down the straight to to maximize your your top speed and he just got the perfect toe normally you'd get around maybe a couple of tenths if your lap is ideal and you get a little toe but i think in this case there was two cars ahead of him that so he got a double toe and maybe that was like the four five tenth uh that well it it could have been planned this weekend uh ferrari having a new uh, head of strategy you never know like yeah they were like he a was there as an intern strategy. last race in monaco and qualifying and they were like shit he it is, worked okay he is 26 years old that's staggering he is british yeah. he is young yeah. it is everything that ferrari needs yeah you know uh, in the past couple of years run by uh, a bunch of italians we don't know if the directive is coming from fiat or where it came you know after they've, they've been in disarray for yeah, strategy-wise, pit stop-wise, there's something there like Ferrari that's just missing, where it's not like... And then compounded by the fact that over the last couple of years, they didn't have the most competitive car. And when they were competitive, then it was just illegal. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't say illegal because no one can say it's illegal. No one actually knows except for the FIA no, and but Ferrari. It, it, it wasn't illegal because the rules were just so vague that Ferrari took advantage of it and they rewrote the rules. So... Technically, they didn't cheat, but that's what the regulation is for, isn't it? So they came to an agreement that it wasn't in the spirit of the regulation. They'd have to rewrite the rules, really make sure that they can't do this. Um, yeah. So, Red Bull, uh, or rather Max Verstappen, starting third. So, you have a very spicy front three. 
Sean oh, Leclerc yeah. in a Ferrari, Lewis Hamilton in a Merck, mm-hmm. and Max Verstappen in a Red Bull, starting one, two, and three. Um, before that happened, I actually wanted to touch on Lando Norris mm-hmm. and his incident. Yeah. So Lando Norris uh, oh, getting so at talk about three. This episode. I can't believe it. Like, <laughs> so we'll keep this one short. Minutes, I promise. Like, oh yeah, the Lando yeah, yeah, yeah. incident. I forgot yeah, yeah. about we're, that. Of course. So yeah. we'll keep this one short. Lando Norris getting a three uh, place grid penalty, in addition to three penalty points on his license. Because he didn't enter the pit lane um, when the red flag came out, so he was on the he was just on that straight just before the pit lane. He went on the radio saying, "Guys, should I come in or not?" Um, and you know they're, they're traveling at at that time what three hundred ten. Yeah, but there was a red flag, so he was yet. supposed to slow down anyway, and he was True, slowing down. But he it's wasn't like it's a, it, he wasn't exactly, but it's a split second yeah. decision. You know, this is Formula One. He did ask. Um, so, but he ended up going simply because, and Nico Rosberg, I, I watched the video when he drove, you know, he, what was it on the video game? So he, he, he explained the lap. It was a track analysis, a lap analysis. And he said that section is just so dangerous. Like the pit entry was said. dangerous. Yeah. Michael Massey has since come out saying he disagreed with Nico Rosberg. Uh, the the track conforms to grade one FIA yeah. standard. What a so generic answer! What a generic answer! Yeah, the track conforms to the regulations we have that we set out before we knew it would be dangerous. So yeah, it applies until something bad happens. Then suddenly, oh, we need to change it, and then it's too late. That's my point. Yeah. But, but <laughs> no, just to go talk about Lando's point, right? Because I also don't think he should have gotten a penalty there. That's that's where you were getting at. Because exactly the rules didn't have a specific moment where it said if a driver is approaching the pit lane and they could be deemed that they don't have enough time to react to drive into the pit lane when a red flag is shown, maybe they should be, then they're just required to slow down and park up on the grid unless the accident is there. Like, that is not written. So, of course, they have to be strict because it is a serious offense because it's doing a red flag. But this is why the rule is not too strict in the beginning. So now you can add this and then drivers will know in the future what it's what it's going to be you know because it was a you know it is a red flag violation but yeah the the fact that he got three penalty points for that yeah. whereas we've seen two penalty points being dished out for like a you know causing a collision yeah. and these collisions are heavy yeah. and it's just really f-ing stupid move either braked way too late or thought there was a gap and they get away scot-free yeah you know uh and to deem this incident more severe, penalty points wise, it's just ridiculous. As well as, like, uh, it should have been a five grit uh, penalty. They were lenient. They only gave three. It's, it's, it's. I don't know what. No, they should have yeah. given a big monetary fine to the team because they knew kind of it was no no, and they should have been clear to instruct Lando to definitely come into the pit early if they've caught if they could have with with time. If not, no penalty points, no nothing, uh, nothing bad came of it. Rewrite the rules. Uh, and that that's I think would be much clearer it's not like other violations where it's more clearly a violation in this case there I, I was so much discussion about it and that just goes to show then the cl- rules are not written clearly enough yeah I do think that uh, penalties when applied to drivers should also be applied to teams that if it is a team mistake the team should be penalized for that and not the driver so I would liken the incident of Nicolas Latifi during a red flag during the race 
all cars had to go through the the pit lane yeah. because of the debris on the main straight. Yeah. Latifi was on the radio with his team. Mm-hmm. They told him to stay out, stay out, stay out. So instead of diving into the pit lane like all the other, let's say, 16, 17 cars in front of him, he drove past start and finish because on the radio, he heard his team stay out, stay yeah, out. exactly. Which usually means stay out, so don't come into the pits. Mm-hmm stay out yeah. so he did exactly that he was penalized for that yeah. where and that was, also that was no fair. fault of his yeah. own that was no fault of his own he just heard an instruction from his team and he did it but what are you going to do he, tell Williams we're going to take some constructors points away from you oh wait a minute never mind <laughs> but that would I think would have been fair in that case because it was clearly a team uh, mistake just say we take one point ah maybe that's also too harsh it would be a big monetary fine anyway um, mm-hmm. and I don't uh, yeah sad that the uh, yeah, it was Latifi that was the victim of this because he was not at fault. So it's, uh, especially with things like unsafe release, you know, these rules are there for a reason, they're for safety aspects, but the driver has no influence mm-hmm. on that whatsoever. He's just, uh, the team, either the lollipop man or the, the lights above, tell him to go and driver goes. Mm-hmm. But the, the driver has no influence on that going whatsoever during a pit stop yeah. so if it is an inf- uh, unsafe release it's a team fault and yeah. not a driver fault but the driver is punished for it i agree so next Ooh. thing to talk about so well <laughs> i'm was, already tired okay um, <laughs> yeah just to quickly talk about lewis as well because he was he yeah, he was so impressive throughout the whole weekend until the very end uh which was also a kind of honest silly mistake that you know we hadn't seen but his qualifying lap to qualified in P2, even though maybe Max would have pipped him, came out of nowhere because Bottas was so far back. And yeah, it, it was insane to see that in the beginning they were both struggling. And then you just see Hamilton like slowly pick up the pace and be able to improve throughout the whole weekend where Bottas just didn't manage to do that. He just stayed where he was. And so Lewis had an issue. Bottas didn't have any issues and he still was outside the points. Yeah. That's yeah. like, yeah. And he won this race not that long ago. Um, and last race, we also Twice talked almost. about that. I would keep Bottas in the team because, you know, you get the state. Literally because of this race, I'm already like, no, this is, this is, yeah. You would have had better result with a different driver, possibly. Something's off about uh, Valtteri this season. I don't know. Perhaps. But let's, let's go back to Lewis. Yes. And a lot of people are saying, you know, uh, an uncharacteristic mistakes, um, which is true. Lewis Hamilton in top form, um, not being challenged that much, doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. And when he does, people can t- capitalize. So it was a mistake this time, but we've seen mistakes in Imola as well. Yeah, but it was, that not, time, a, it was, not, a, a, it was not a driver error. Well, it was because he was, you know, he was trying to lap yeah. a car ahead. Yeah. He got on the wet patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was too too soon. Yeah, he could yeah, have just made it another corner. That was a driver. So that's a driver error. But this one, I mean, it's of course also a driver error. It's it's also a driver error. I mean, it is by accident. Yeah. But the driver caused it. Yeah. Which is still a driver error. Yeah, but it's not like Lewis is the type of person that when un, under this situation he makes a lot of errors because X Y and Z, right? It's not like oh he always misses the apex or he runs a bit wide he hits the grass it's not like that it's literally his hand on the left side of the steering wheel is holding the clutch and he has a special mechanism to hold the clutch where he can put his two fingers in he can hold the clutch um i don't know which one of if it's the right or the left hand he uses for the initial one where you reach the bite point and then after that you slowly release it 
Uh, but once he had released the clutch, he hit the uh, what's called break magic. So what mm-hmm. it basically does is to put all the or most of the braking power to the front wheels because when you're on a warm-up lap behind safety car or whatnot, it's important to keep tire temperatures up. A good and easy way to do this is to move the brake bias forward so more the front brakes and not the rear. Uh, it's easy to lock up though, but the brakes heat up more evenly and then they heat up the tires. So he by accident hit this button right after he he, um, he got off the clutch. The car starts accelerating and the screenshots of it where it just says on the screen like 80 something percent brake uh, bias forward, which is absolutely insane. So he locks yeah, up. Usually it will be about 55 between yeah, between to 55 60. and sometimes sometimes like the, the, the high 60s depends on the tracks and whatnot but yeah basically mm-hmm. if you want to have easy turning while you you brake you want more rearwards bias and it breaks down the car uh, quicker but it's hard to like it's it's easier to step out the rear and if it's too much to the front it's the opposite you start locking up the front wheels but to me it was a tent it it started to me when you know with the restarts um Line up in second position, all four brakes are already smoking. Yeah. You know, and that's that, usually... Yeah, that's that, the thing that, as well. That's a sign. So it's like, in the pit day, he's like, you know, it's a it's a marathon on a sprint. So I thought, okay, um, he just needs to finish this race. Yeah. You know, with his nearest competitor scoring zero points, no points, all he has to do is get more than four points mm-hmm. to equal, five, more than five points to, to retake the lead, and he was in second position. So, you know, everyone has their own warm up. Each car is unique and such. But already on the grid, I saw intent. Yeah, he is going to take the lead of this race because he wants the full twenty five points mm-hmm. that he could he could uh, walk away from Baku or Azerbaijan with a twenty one point advantage over his nearest rival. So great start. You know, he was in front, and then it was wow when he just shot forward you know we saw the lock up shot forward um there's a you sent me a clip of mark weber's <laughs> sound uh, oh, i, I will admit to all of our viewers that the sound i made was very similar same here same here uh, so uh it was a very high shriek and just disbelief but it was this disbelief something in disbelief had just happened prior to this and then it happens again like and I, then i just started screaming this is formula yeah. one this is formula one this is formula one yeah complete disarray and a lot of confusion mm-hmm. confusion and i probably apologize to my neighbors for the Weird noises and, and, and shouting after that, but I'm not sorry. It was Formula One. This is why we watch. This is why we're fans, and that's where the passion comes from. Yeah. So I mean your neighbors must the get viewers, used to your weird sounds by now, but yeah. <laughs> to the viewers. Um from the restarts, Lewis Hamilton uh starting second, taking the lead. It was an amazing turn start. One. Like wow. Yeah. Um locking up his brakes because the the brake balance mm-hmm. was pushed forward to, to about 86%, yeah, so like about crazy. 90 or something like that. Shot forward and uh, kept it out of the wall, but managing to um, rejoin the back of the grid. But there were only two laps left, so he finished out of the points. Yeah. So instead of having finishing the race in the points or consolidating his second place, which he had, um, he ended up with no points. Yeah. His rival, which we'll talk about next, also leaving the weekend with no points so it's yeah. status quo Had- we uh we left uh the exact same points 
position in yeah. the championship fight as we started. Yeah, and had Lewis taken that uh, T1 and overtook Perez and won the race, it would have been one of his best drives ever, I think, simply because they were nowhere this weekend. And then just at the end of qualifying when he counted, he was there. He, he could keep up with Verstappen throughout the race in a car that was clearly slow. Um, yeah, really, really impressive stuff. Like, uh, that, this is the kind of Lewis that we want to see now. We've seen him dominate. So now we want to be see him be challenged and show us what he's worth. And he is doing that this season. And it's, yeah, it's super impressive. We saw that at Turkey as well last year. You know, these are the kind of drives we want to see from Lewis, not just, you know, yeah, leading yeah. and dominating. Um, yeah. So, yeah, fair play to, to Lewis, though, even though that little mistake cost big time. Uh, I was very impressed with his driving. For sure. So let's talk about Max Verstappen. Yeah. And Didn't put a foot wrong. It, to me, it looked like Vettel-esque. Yeah. yeah. You know, it looked like Red Bull of old. It is. Just, uh, of course, not starting from pole. Yeah. Uh, having to do some overtaking in order to get to that position. But once both Red Bulls managing to get to those positions, one and two, it looked like Red Bull of old. Yeah. Completely um, in control, you know, knowing uh, when to push. Um, even the pit stops were executed perfectly. Yeah. Max's pit stop, I think it was 1.93 oh, yeah. seconds or something like that. Perez's pit stop, like that. Let's, Perez's let's pit stop slow on purpose, yeah. in my opinion. I think I so too. Text you. I think everyone slow thinks that. Every, everyone thought mm. that because it was just a bit hesitant and it was just to ensure that he was closer to Lewis than to Max and wouldn't waste time because he might have gotten out just behind Max and then Max would have to be a bit defensive, lose a bit of time. Just give it one more second. Lewis already had a slow stop. So just give Perez a second, second and a half. He comes out. He's just in the middle. No, but what's That's strange perfect. is that a, a manipulated botched pit stop from Red Bull is still faster than a normal yeah. Merck pit stop. Yeah. yeah, I mean Red Bull has been on it with the pit stop for for a while now. So so they with Williams it. as well. Dave, I think this is the the fastest it can possibly be humanly possible yeah. to change four tires. Yeah. You know, it can't get faster than that. No, was it what 1. is it? 8 I think one point eight six. 1.86, something like that. Um, yeah, it, it needs to be a, a superhuman effort yeah, in order to for sure. in order to get the 1.7 something. And it's not just seconds. about each individual, how quick you can get the tire off or tire on. It's about everyone being able to do that at all times, constantly. Like, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's beautiful. Consistent. I mean, teams can do this. Um, for sure, all teams are capable of doing this once in the season. Mm. They're lucky twice. Red Bull can do this a couple of times yeah, exactly. a season that's, where it's not just a fluke anymore, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. If you can gain but, per team three, four seconds in a race divided between two cars just in pit stops, you take it. Like, that's a lot of time when you think about mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, going back to the race, so he was, uh, Max Verstappen, uh, Sergio Perez, mm -hmm. being in complete control. Mm -hmm. um, Max managing that gap mm -hmm. brilliantly to his teammate. Um Better's having a good race as well. Yeah. I mean, he was really managing good race. Lewis. Lewis was throwing everything at him. And Better's just managing to soak up that pressure, keep the gap constant, you know, protecting the rear of Max and Max purposely keeping it to about three and a half, five seconds. No more, no less. That was his operating window to keep the tires alive. Yep. Supposedly under, you know, <laughs> normal conditions, as yeah. it were. There was... There was nothing wrong. Everything was under control. 
um, and then the mishap happened. So um, his tire blew. <laughs> he was in the race. Yeah, his tire. Yeah, his tire blows. Barely blows. Uh, they suck. Um, no, but so it was four laps to the end of the race. Yeah. He has been completely controlling everything about it. The victory was his for the taking. He just needed to see uh, the start finish line four more times before seeing the checkered flag, uh, winning the race, and then also increasing his lead then in the championship to about 14 points minimum. If he got the fastest lap, it would be 15 points uh, over Lewis Hamilton. His tire blew on the on the the main straight into the wall and zero points. So it was and it was a high speed failure almost close down to the start finish straight opposing side is the pit lane entry where he spins he manages to just keep it in the wall so it doesn't bounce back on the track stroll had had a similar incident same uh rear left tire that blew up mm -hmm. just a little bit earlier uh on the same straight and that's exactly the area where had there been a car behind them when this had happened and they had crashed it would have been so dangerous and this is something the tires they just shouldn't puncture like this randomly. Like you said, you had uh, a theory about it, but if it is just tire fatigue, construction failure or whatever, that's not okay. They said they brought, they wanted to bring the softer spec tires for this race. And I applaud that because I feel like sometimes the racing is more interesting when the tires are a bit softer, but instead of just exploding after the tires are worn, why don't they just drive down to a part of the tire that is just slow, but safe? Like maybe five seconds slower once you've got through the best part of the rubber or like more whatever. But yeah, the fact that they just blew at such a dangerous spot. Uh, yeah. But let's let's add up the facts. Let's add up the facts. So mm -hmm. in 2021, Pirelli bring a new construction. Mm -hmm. So compound is the same. Carcass is three kilos heavier. Mm -hmm. They're heavier because they needed to improve safety. So there is actually a new tire for 2021. Overnight, from the Friday to Saturday, yeah. Pirelli instructed all the teams to increase the PSI, so increase mm. the tire pressure, specifically the rear pressures, up. So that, to me, is already an alarm bell. You know, they're saying, okay, we, yes, we brought the softer tire uh, tire specs to this race. We received more data, and then for safety reasons, they increased the PSI. So we've seen before this, before Verstappen's incident, uh, Lance Stroll, uh, just uh, not the same spot, just a bit forward, yeah. but the same stretch of the track. Basically, you come out of, the, of a, of a right-hand corner that is full uh, throttle. Left so that hand. puts all the, the yeah. stress on the rear left tire. Yeah. So uh, Lance, tires, uh, Lance Stroll's tire uh, blew as well high speed uh impact yeah um you could see uh it, it was kind of touching to see uh lawrence stroll going up because it's his son it's yeah. his driver and it's the son just yeah. a quick check everything okay luckily lance was okay uh both drivers walked away from yeah. this incident completely fine yeah. but two left uh rear tires yeah. and so i have two things to to talk about so firstly uh right after the race uh, Max Verstappen said, you know, Pirelli will probably blame debris because that's their standard copy-paste answer yeah. to any mishap that happens. And sure enough, an hour later, 
Mario Isola comes out with, oh, we suspect debris. Yeah, I don't, I'm not buying that. Second one is actually uh, in Dutch news, uh, Kees van der Grint, who was Michael Schumacher's tire engineer at Bridgestone during his Ferrari days. So um, back in the early noughties, as it's called, <laughs> 2000, um, Ferrari was using Bridgestone. Uh, they had custom-made tires. At the time, Bridgestone was in the tire war with Michelin. So it's about bringing the best product because they're also competing against another tire manufacturer. And Ferrari being a constructor champions, they had a very, very close relationship. It's not like today where everyone uses the same tire made from mm-hmm. one company. Now, the, when... Uh, Schumacher was in his heyday. The tires were also specifically made for Ferrari and specifically yeah. made for him. Yeah. And this engineer worked with Michael Schumacher alone. So he, he was from Bridgestone, uh, a Dutch man. I think we mentioned him in a previous podcast. But to give you an understanding of how close his relationship was, he was at every Grand Prix, anything regarding the tires, which are the most important thing uh, in motor racing, only four things connecting the car to the track. So his feedback, his expertise for any driver is is massive. So he actually came into Dutch News and said, when I saw Stroll's uh, tire blow out, I knew it couldn't have been the debris. It's the carcass. To have it suddenly go like that, um, because you have to see how many laps they were on that hard tire. So it was similar from Stroll and, and Max yeah. when he stopped. Um, they're like, um, but other theories are thrown out there. Uh, usually the load will be on the, the because it's anti-clockwise, the front right tire would get the most stress. True. Um, so the left rear has nothing to do with it. No, the fact of the matter is, again, a Pirelli tire blew. Yeah. You know, it exploded. New carcass, new construction for this season because 2020... I just have to point at Silverstone, crazy race, many tires blowing. And this, and every single time, and this goes back to the beginning stage of when Pirelli entered. When was that? 2011. Uh, 2011, exactly. Just debris, yeah. debris, debris. Every single time, it's, it's true. debris. It's true. And yes, okay. Um, it's true that they, they, they pointed to Lewis Hamilton's tire, had a cut in him, probably because of debris. It could be it could be Max Verstappen's debris, you know. Yeah, that could be the case. Okay, let's believe the story of Max Verstappen driving over Lance Stroll's debris. Then what happened to Stroll? Was that a coke can? Was that a branch? Was that a what? So this debris story, it's I would believe it the first two times. The third time I'll be skeptical. We're not on the fourth time. We're probably on the 21st, yeah. 22nd. Like an entire Grand Prix season's worth of debris or blaming it on debris uh, over the the past couple of years. So it, this has, like, in essence, like, um, it, it's harsh to say, but I'm glad that uh, Lewis Hamilton had his mishap. He accidentally put the brake magic on so he didn't score any points because this would have been yeah. a cheap victory and uh, the the championship would have suffered yeah. simply because the failures of one company yeah. that should have been addressed long long time ago yeah. so i'm glad that both championship contenders walked away with zero points this weekend if um verstappen left with zero points hamilton managed to walk away with the lead it would have been 
Yeah. Yeah, it would have been bad. I would for have put. F1. I would have put an ast- uh, an asterisk behind Absolutely. 2021 championship. Absolutely, because that would have been the deciding factor. You know, it could potentially be as well. But yeah, exactly like you said, we got a good race out of it. None of the championship contenders really gained anything from it. The the hunt goes on. It continues. Uh, had Lewis won, it would have been amazing drive for him, but not good for F1. Absolutely agree with you there. Um, no, because it's like this is such a every driver or other every team every driver uses the same tires, yeah. and they cannot even pick their own tires no. anymore. They're given allocation, yeah. so they have no influence and control as to um, which tires they can use. Yeah. Um, and it's not like um, Michael Schumacher in two thousand six, Japan, his engine blew, yeah. and that was the defining moment of the championship, yep. which slipped away from. So that is a team error. I can understand that. It was heartbreak, but you're just like, yeah, that's the that's championship a team fighting moment. You know? That's yeah. a team failing. I can accept you that. You win and lose when as a it, team. But when a tire blows, no. You win and lose no, that as... that is unacceptable. Yeah, as what? All the corporations that are involved? No, like Pirelli for sure needs to step up the game. They need to be held accountable for this because... Uh, yeah, they, they just fail at an alarming rate. And that's the last thing you'd want. You don't want to cause any danger uh, with the tires, right? Um, so if we need well, to go I, back to more I, boring I, tires for it to be safe first, and then we can adjust them from there, then I think that's what we have to do. From the next reg- regulation changes, uh, maybe they should have gone with a different tire manufacturer for, for next year already. But for 2025, they should seriously consider it. The tires are already going to get bigger uh, next year. Um so let's see what Pirelli come up with. But if there's still going to be failures and it still feels like a bad product, I'm sorry. Like I know we also need to defend Pirelli a bit because they're ordered to make these tires from FIA. They say that's also the excuse. They've been using that for a long time. But yeah, it's, it's no. But it's like the the issue I have. Well, not really an issue, but it's you know it's about the fact. But Pirelli is a legacy Bernie Eccleston deal. Mm-hmm. So that's when true. they entered Formula One they had the biggest budget that they're willing to put in marketing activities. That's why they beat so many other manufacturers who portrayed interest. They just weren't willing to play Bernie's game. Yeah, Pirelli was. So they're the ones that had uh, became the sole supplier, exclusivity. And then we, we entered like uh, 2020, no, 2012, 2013, so Red Bull dominating years. The racing wasn't brilliant. No. We had... Uh, mm. For the first time, I mean, for the first time, they said you can't push. There's yeah. so much tire conservation. That's so true. the fact where that's that's essentially what put the nail in the coffin of uh, Mark Webber's career. Um, he retired simply because he lost enjoyment of driving Formula One because of these tires. I think Schumacher as well. Like he came yeah, back can, and then he can, didn't really get managed to get used to the Pirelli tires because he was so used to you know working with Bridgestone like you mentioned earlier, but. Yeah. But we, but then in that meantime, Formula One got new owners. We have Liberty Media now, and that this Pirelli issue is still not addressed. That you know this Bernie legacy. Of course, they decided to honor the deal, and they gave Pirelli sort of a. Uh, they threw him a bone, saying, "Oh, because the regulations were delayed a year for 2022, uh, it's not fair that you only have one year with these 18 inch." So they got an extra year, but it's like. Liberty Media could have taken the opportunity to issue a directive saying, look, it needs to improve safety, um, excitement. Mm. Like, this is, like, how you've been operating is not okay. And there needs to be, like, a hard 
deadline and and criteria that they need to meet yeah. in order to you know remain the the pinnacle of motorsport formula because the tires yeah. now are for sure they're well manufactured in order to create drama fair enough and the technology to do that is also pretty incredible but it's not the showcase of see how good the tires are but that would also maybe be problematic and i also don't want a tire war because then some some so so much is like left in the hands of the tire manufacturers and the relationship the teams have with them and how they can build around a, a car around the tires only but maybe all the manufacturers to just get their own tire manufacturer and that should be part of the team that they should construct the tires that would maybe be yeah i think too expensive, no, but, but the thing the thing is like formula one is is you know at the forefront of technology yeah. you know with everything they produce but no one really knows how advanced the tires are yeah like are pirelli just at their capabilities this is the best product that they can produce we don't know and the cars are just way too fast for any uh, tire construction or a tire compound to handle mm -hmm. because we don't know to the extent that pirelli is pushing yeah. because they're quite comfortable they had a multi-year contract um obviously the, um, they don't have any blame in anything they can continue operating um the fia has their back the formula one owners have their back so there's no immediate need to address the situation they can continue copy pasting the the same answer time and time again even though the teams the drivers the fans know they're full of shit mm -hmm. but it's just uh, the same modus operandi for them uh and yeah where's the accountability yeah exactly the yeah we should we should start seeing some new developments in that area that's for sure i think yeah we need to move away from but yeah the pirelli saltiness about pirelli you know uh, how original especially in this podcast yeah. so let's uh quickly move on to uh, a topic i want, that you want uh, just to a, yeah because i think we've talked a lot now but just one thing uh, that is also quite important about this weekend was the race direction or like the you know michael marcy's uh responsibility so yeah. after stroll's big crash it took a while for the safety car to come out uh cars were still driving fast uh driving by a uh, stroll fast uh when Max had his crash, it took 1 minute and 27 seconds. And there's been a lot of really good posts online uh, detailing what went wrong, how it could be fixed. And I've been amazed by the the passion the fans have shown for this topic and the safety issue of it. Because it should have been clear. Max crashed. I saw it straight away on the TV. Immediately, Red Bull is sideways on the start-finish straight. Safety car. Hit the button. Deploy safety car. And then it, once the safety car out, you can red flag it if it's too bad, blah, blah, blah or at the very least, virtual safety car. That should have been a yeah. knee-jerk reaction almost. Maybe yeah. give it two seconds contemplation, but that would have given you enough time. Safety car not, safety car not. No, that's the main finish rate. That's definitely the start, exactly. main start finish rate. Let's get the safety car out. Exactly. One minute, 27 seconds. Max was getting out of his car when cars were just still driving past at the 300 yeah. mark, kilometer uh, per hour mark. And Leclerc was upset I mean, there on the were, radio. There were double wave yellows. Yeah, but and then after, after turn one, yeah. it was green. Yeah. So for the longest of times, so I completely uh, one minute yeah. twenty seven seconds. What Insane. happened? Like what? What was going on? Like was someone on a toilet break? I mean, it it was surreal. There should have been, yeah, like I don't know. It, it would have been a definitive uh, case for a button to just hit to deploy safety car. You know, Bert Mylander should have driven out the pit lane without getting the order because he just knows absolutely this is a safety car situation. But that wasn't the case. And it was... No, it's dangerous. just like, you you saw the pictures, you know, huge crash. Yeah. 
uh, Perez having to swerve massively, which which I skipped the hard the seeing that it's a little because dot you see then, the debris yeah. sliding towards yeah, yeah, him yeah. and this huge thing, and then Hamilton being like less than two seconds behind him, so having to go through that as well. That instant, you're just like a decision needs to be yes. made, and worst comes to where like the safest option would be to deploy the virtual safety car to begin with, because exactly. you can always deploy the full safety car under VSC. Exactly. Whether it doesn't matter, it's five seconds later, 10 seconds later, a minute and 20 later, yeah. but it's the, the whole uh, track is neutralized. It was created exactly for these situations. Exactly, yeah. So it's, it's, it's baffling, but yeah. we, have to, we have to essentially look back at the choices that Michael Massey has, has made yeah. over the past couple of years, his reaction to that, which we've discussed in person, it's also a thankless job because when you do everything right, no one's going to give you credit. So that, that also has to be said that his job is to make sure everything runs right and the, there's nothing that goes wrong. And if he does that right, there's not much recognition. If he does a little mistake, then there can be big consequences and you know he'll be under fire. Charlie Whiting as well. All the drivers were complaining to him on the radio always, but not necessarily because you know, Charlie was bad at what he was doing, but just to get his attention to talk about it, right? So he is in that position where he gets all this attention. But he's been getting that for the wrong reasons because we saw in Turkey last year as well, uh, similar situations, way too slow uh, on the decisions front. When it comes to virtual safety car, it was created after the Jules Bianchi accident in 2014, the Japanese Grand Prix, where Adrian Sutil's car was uh, out in the gravel. It was wet. They were out recovering it with a JCB, you know, one of these big yellow trucks um, that can lift things and move things, you know. And there was a yellow flag, but it wasn't that clear. Bianchi slides off and unfortunately hits this uh, JCB um, and a year later passed away, uh, never woke up from a coma. So at the time, they didn't want to deploy a safety car because they were just going to move a car away. It would be quick. Martin Brundle has always complained, saying it's a dangerous situation. There's a big truck, you know, potentially in the pathway of a car sliding off the track and being hit. Uh, and then this unfortunate incident happened. Virtual safety cars then um, created in order to neutralize the race without giving anyone an advantage or a disadvantage, but just to slow them down. Should something happen, then you have enough of a buffer time where everyone is slowed down to deploy the safety car or actually see can we clear this incident quick enough and if you can perfect you don't have to go to a full safety car where there could be a lot where the leader would be disadvantaged uh, etc um so i just don't understand how this this incident could have been overlooked other than that being like a mechanical failure of communication or something because this is not a human error where someone has been thinking for a minute and 27 seconds that if that is the case then it's gross incompetence because it was so risky and dangerous and for no apparent reason yeah but uh unfortunately i think this will be the the last incident that uh that will occur regarding mm. this um we're going to unfortunately have to be discussing it probably in a future episode yeah but um yeah to wrap this episode uh up um, I'll do my final thoughts first and then mm -hmm. I'll pass it on to you. Yeah. So despite all the dramas and all the blowouts and all the saltiness that we have to spew around everywhere, uh, I wanted to um, end this podcast with my sweet notes. So it was fantastic seeing two old foxes 
back in the spotlight. We had Sebastian Vettel finishing on the podium. Fantastic drive. And we saw Fernando Alonso managing to pip a few places during the last two laps to finish sixth. So both of them either going to a new team, returning to Formula One, um, taking t- really taking their time to get to grips with the car. The performance levels were not as where they they themselves expected. You know the the media, the the fans, and such. And we can only uh, hope to to see similar results from uh, both of them uh, throughout the year. Yeah, we didn't even manage to talk about Fettel and Gasly on the podium, but absolutely well deserved. It was so good to see Fettel up there again, and he was beaming with energy. And yeah, it was it was the old sap. He's back. I haven't seen that in a couple of years. But for my final thoughts as well. Um, just want to say we've been given an amazing F1 race here I think and uh, Baku has really lived up to expectations and surpassed them at certain times it's a great race but sometimes I do wonder at what cost it is still a dangerous uh, track a lot of problems were highlighted during this race with the race direction tire construction uh, qualifying etc so there's some good things that F1 could improve upon even though the outcome was as good as it as it was uh, I still think there's a couple of cases where we've taken unnecessary risks. Um, with the Alpine as well, I was expecting them to be better this weekend. But considering mm-hmm. um, they weren't, <laughs> they didn't have that great top speed in the end, Alonso still did great. And this is a track that he, back in 2018, was it? He said he had one of Insane his best... Insane race. Yeah, he had a, what yeah, was a best race. Huge gaping hole in his gone. floor. Yeah. He still After managed to lap get it in the one, points. he yeah. came in with like two tires left. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, just yeah, him yeah. coming into the pit, true, true, true. and you're just like, it's done. Yeah. You know, the fact that they send him out is like iffy. Huge hole in the floor and still managing to drive to the points yeah, and finish exactly. there. Wow. So really, really good uh, show from him. Good to see these, these yeah, Fettel uh, Alonso being back up there. And yeah, Ferrari as well. Did amazing in uh, qualifying. They were kind of lucky with the toe, but they did have pace. And Monaco wasn't just wasn't just uh, you know one off situation during the race. They did fall back quite quite rapidly, but they did show some dashes of uh, brilliance. And they could really be the underdog together with McLaren this year. And I think that fight for the third place in the championship is so exciting. And McLaren, we haven't even touched about much. Um, yeah, let's just say they were a bit unlucky. People were expecting them to to show more well, at think, this race. I think Lando could have delivered if he didn't have that ridiculous grid. True, penalty. but I don't think he would have been. Uh, yeah, he could have been on a podium, seeing as what happened in the race with all the unlucky things. But a lot of people say they weren't showing the true hand in in practice. I I think they were. They were just not. There were certain parts where they just weren't as quick. Where Ferrari managed to yeah really get a lot out of their car. So fair play to no, them. No, but you saw it. You saw it during practice with Lando that he had a couple of spins. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I mean. You could see that's he was I mean. pushing it. You know, he was he was fast, yeah. but he had to really push but it. But that's what I mean. He was pushing it. And then just over the edge, if you need to be that close to the edge to drive the car quick in the race, you're, you're going to struggle as well because you can't keep that up constantly. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean with the, the car was definitely showing some potential, but there's some still some minor issues that they could, they could tweak, make the car more drivable. And then I think they have a really, really strong car. But I think yeah. we spoke a lot now. Anyway, that was our yeah, last yeah. So last, 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 last little thing. Okay. And it's actually going to be a nice touching moment. Okay. So what I really enjoyed seeing as well, Sergio Perez were, uh, winning his second race, yeah. his first race for Red Bull, him celebrating with the Racing Point guys. So the Aston Martin uh, guys 
who of course were ecstatic for Vettel. Equally, they were ecstatic for uh, Checo winning yeah. the race. Oh yeah, Beautiful. The, the crazy stat. This is the first driver that has won in two different teams. Oh, that's what you wanted to say, of course. Maybe that's what you wanted yeah, to yeah. say, highlight. Sorry, yeah, no, but you, I just you remembered. You jumped ahead. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Also, uh, two little other sweet moments. Of course, you had uh, Fernando Alonso um, coming up to Vettel, um, congratulating him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you heard, but Mick Schumacher yeah. uh, keeping tabs on the position of Sebastian Vettel during the race. Aww. So when he was P3, and then when he took the uh, checkered flag, asking his team, so where did Sebastian end up? P2. He's like, oh, really happy, nice. really happy. But uh, you, so, you see a German bond there as well. well like, not, you didn't see so that it's, before. It's like, what's beautiful is that Michael Schumacher was Sebastian Vettel's idol. And Michael spent a lot of time with him. Uh, he probably learned a lot from Michael. And now he's doing the same to Michael's son. So the relationship has changed. He went from being the, yeah. the Padawan to now being the Jedi Master yep. and having a paddle one of his own. So, fantastic. So that's honestly my last thing. Yeah, what a sweet note. But yeah, like we just said, Perez is the first driver since 2014 in the turbo hybrid era to win a race with two different manufacturers. Like, let that sink in because, yeah, that's crazy to think about. Listeners, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we've come to the point where you notice that we started rambling and that usually is the time which you're like, okay, it's time to stop so always leave on a high note thanks again for joining us um our social media as you should know by now but if not christopher is going to repeat them to you our instagram is at four mules and one jackass and our twitter is four mules and one and our tiktok is we don't have tiktok but uh (laughs) we will get there soon don't worry watch that space yeah Uh, and as always uh, should you have anything to shout about uh, or uh, tell your favorite story or your bit of salt, please um, let us know. And uh, Formula One is going to France. Uh, joining them in France is Formula Three, mm-hmm. as well as potentially the W Series. So to give a bit of context, the calendar has changed simply because the Canadian race was canceled. Then the Turkish Grand Prix was supposed to take the place of the Canadian Grand Prix was canceled. So therefore they've shifted the french race up ahead so they don't know if it's possible to have the full calendar but we shall keep you updated uh this is the last time i'm going to talk keep washing those hands christopher go wash your hands now i need to go now (laughs) bye (laughs) bye